0: Welcome back. I'm Alan Hall.
1: I'm Dan Blewett. And this is the Uptime Podcast, where we talk about wind energy, engineering, lightning protection, and ways to keep your wind turbines running. All right, welcome back to the Uptime Podcast. We've got a great guest today. Danis Cruz is here from Aerones. Alan, what were some of your takeaways from our call with Danis?
0: Well, Danis is bringing his robot technology it's it's not drone technology it's sort of a tethered robot technology uh, to the world uh, to do a variety of tasks that were typically done with uh, people on ropes from uh, measuring the lightning protection system uh, resistance measurements to cleaning out drain holes to uh, repairing leading edges and detecting structural issue with blades his robotic platform and arons robotic platform is doing astounding things and and very quickly and efficiently so it's just like a new frontier of uh, robotic technology that they're bringing forward
1: yeah so without further ado let's jump to our conversation with danis cruz from arons Yeah, so a first first line of business here and we were just talking about this off camera is uh, I really want to hear about your experience with going through Y Combinator. So as a as a company and as a I mean all three of us are, are entrepreneurs in this conversation, um, Y Combinator is a as a is a very wide widely regarded um, you know, startup incubator. So can you tell us a little bit about how your company got started, you know, with you and your co-founder and um, how you've gotten to we're going to go all the way through your story in general, but tell us about the origins of Aron's.
2: Yeah, so uh, me and Janis, we know each other since we were 18. Uh, so uh, we were studying together physics and mathematics, computer science. And uh, that's actually where we met and where we built our first startup. We were, we, we built uh, GPS devices, uh, and the platform, uh, we put mm. the GPS devices on the vehicles. So the owners of the vehicles could see where the vehicles are, like for the companies, basically business to business. So this is how we started. Uh, and, and that company has actually grown, uh, to several other projects, IOT projects. Uh, it's called Intelligent Systems. Uh, it's, 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 yeah, Latvian company. So, and, and yeah, and like five years ago, Yanis uh, 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 exited the company and, uh, and and like a year later came back and said, hey, I have a new gr- great idea. Uh, let's build a heavy lift drones. Uh, there are a lot of helicopters, there are planes, there are a lot of small drones, but nothing in between. Let's, let's build heavy lift drones, which can do some kind of a job. So it kind of started as a passion, <laughs> and and kind of uh, we didn't have you know like like the nice business stories where you see the problem and then you start wow. to I've build uh, the yeah. solution. We started to build these drones, uh, but. Uh, during the development, and uh, we did a lot of different kind of trials like human rescue, firefighting drones, um, and, and different kind of interesting stuff with a the, with, with the drone, which could lift 440 pounds, actually, 200 kilos. So, But we understood that we are kind of a little bit too early uh, in the market, and, and that kind of business needs uh, quite a lot of money for development. Uh, it, it's tough. And we thought that yes, uh, that we build this firefighting drone, and and we understood that it's not time to market it, is going to be long. So we figure out that hey, let's clean turbines with a drone. Uh, we heard in one uh, exhibition that it's uh, it's done by hill hopters and and etc. So uh, we trialed it out, and uh, we understood that yes, that it's possible, and more of that that nobody cares what's happening in the wind park, right? It's not in the middle of the city or whatsoever. So we started to build this drone for wind turbine cleaning or de-icing. And, and, uh, we had the problems that, that the drone, uh, I can actually share the screen, like, uh, how the drone, uh, looked like, um, yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and the video. Yeah. So this was the first video of the drone, which was de-icing the turbine and, and we got quite huge traction of that Uh, the industry uh, mainly it was like yeah it was something entirely new something something crazy and um, but when we started to build this drone to do the job here you can see these three legs right Right. (laughs) Uh, we understood that we we needed to come to the blade quite close and we wanted to do more of the things, not only the cleaning, but also, for example, conductivity tests, lighting protection system tests, painting and etc. But we understood that the swinging in the air uh, for the drone uh, was still happening. So we created these three winches which were holding the drone uh, steady uh, in the air, in the position. And then we just understood, damn, don't need the drone. We just need another winch over the turbine. <laughs> hmm. And it's much better solution. <laughs> and and yeah, that was kind of a moment when you need to, to, to decide uh, if, if you are, uh, how to say, to stay focused on your technology, or you stay focused on the problem. So we had found the problem. So and we had found uh, the solution. So we had to kind of uh, go away from the from the drone technology and we needed to start yeah. to, to build uh, the robotic technology. So that's actually kind of the turning point in our mindsets, in our business, in, 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 in everything. Uh, and I think that we did the, the right choice. Uh, we've managed in, in, in these two years, when this happened uh, before t- uh, t- two years ago, um i think we've done great job and we've we've built a realistic robotic system which is actually capable of doing job and we proved that
0: and that's part of the Y combinator thought process right is to identify the problem not the solution and yes. to to work work the problem first and then yes. find the solution which is which is a sellable product and i think you've done a very good job of that and I, it, did the Y combinator help focus you on on that aspect of
2: it Y combinator You know they don't come uh, they're not coming and telling you where what how you should do like uh, in your technology like how to uh but what they definitely did uh with us uh, was they taught us and and you know like every second week you go to your uh mentors and they're saying like stay focused on the uh, where's the money where's the business uh, how will you finance this uh you know like uh, because any company can't be just uh, fun can't be just uh you know like what you like to build uh it has right. to also generate some revenue so so you are interested interesting for the investors and etc and yes and you need the problem which you are solving uh, you can't have, have a drone which is doing, could do everything, uh, but, 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 but yeah, so we didn't find a proper market fit for our drone, but we found a proper problem uh, which we knew how to solve. And, and, and that's yeah. one of the biggest things which Y Combinator taught us, like uh, stay focused on the problem.
0: And I think you've done a remarkable job of switching gears, in some sense, because the technology shift from sort of drone and programming of drones, and, and such a large, large drone, and then to switch over to essentially a, a rope-based system, it, that that technology leap is big and you seem to make that transition relatively smoothly uh, obviously you must have talented people on your staff to do that but was that sort of transition happened in the Y Combinator when you said okay these drones won't solve that problem we need to get to a different solution because we know what the problem is but our solution right now is really not adaptable to that particular problem is that is that where that occurred? Later
2: when it uh, we, were, we already graduated the Y Combinator I would say that we found wow. the solution how to solve it without the drone we basically Found that the drone is not the best solution, but the uh, this robotic system is best solution. We already right. had the problem like during the Y Combinator. They also said like, okay, are you doing firefighting? Are you doing uh, turbine cleaning, uh, or what? What's <laughs> what's your drone uh, going to do? Like uh, pick one, not all of them. Pick one, just one. Right. Uh, that was done by the Y Combinator. Yes, uh, and and. And then yes, after the Y combinator, like uh, half a year later, we just found when we were desperately building this drone to clean the turbine, we we're trialing that out, and we understood that it's not kind of working well. Uh, and 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 then we found out this uh, this other solution. Uh,
0: that is the, that is probably one of the most difficult engineering uh, hurdles to overcome, because you do get in love with your product. Yes. And you do not yeah. want to change it because you know that you know what it can do, and you you feel like you have, and you do, you have this uh, amount of time and effort and love, and and all these relationships that revolve around this particular product. And you're you have to say to yourself, today is a day we stop, and we're going to let all that go, and all that's in the past. And now we're going to have to refigure a company to go towards a different product. That is such a hard transition in so many companies, relatively few. I bet you it's less than 5% can actually make that jump. So just to, to say that you made that jump and I think you have made that jump brilliantly, I think that you made that jump. It says a lot about your talent stack and the staff that you have to do that, because that is really difficult to do. It just is
2: it's not, not an easy decision. It was tough decision like how to, uh, you know, how to explain to your investors how to explain to the customers uh, you know like right. you, you were talking about the drones and now you're talking the bro- robotics uh, and you haven't actually tested it yet <laughs> and uh, but you need to convince <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone uh, that yeah that's the way to go the, the previous thing is not working and uh, so yeah so so that's uh, that was the situation and uh, yeah tough decisions uh, needed to be made and and we did we, and we did that.
0: Did the investors, did all your investors stay through that transition? Yes. Oh, they did? Yes. Wow. Yes. uh, You have a great, great bunch of investors. uh, Because that's a very difficult, because the investors treat your company, a company like yours, like one of their children on some level. Yeah. And it's hard to change that child out and put that one child aside or bring in a new child. It's hard to do. I'm that's amazing. Yeah. That is really amazing.
2: Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, thanks God, it, it 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 all actually went through. Uh, <laughs> uh, kind of, uh, uh, I wouldn't say hard. Uh, it was hard decisions, but when you start, when we started to explain to investors, when we started to explain to the customers, uh, it actually went through quite smoothly. It was uh, there was no big challenge of of explaining. Uh, if they believe in you, they believe in you. That's also one of the things which was taught by the Y Combinator that. Mm actually the company uh, is is the people inside you know what can you actually do what is your team can they deliver and in our case yes we had uh, great staff of uh, mechanical engineering, of electronic engineering, of yeah. software engineers engineers so we were able to do that and we did that
1: so i want to jump to the to the beginning of why Combinator. so obviously lots of companies want to go through that process how did you guys get that started? And how did you get accepted into the program? Y, uh,
2: they actually invited us. Uh, so we didn't know anything about Y Combinator when they invited us. <laughs> uh, and and uh, because of this big buzz on this of drone and firefighting drone, they actually invited us because of the firefighting drone. Uh, and, and also wow. only when we uh, got to the first interview and we spoke with them, uh, they also said like okay the drone could f- do the firefighting and also the cleaning of the turbines like actually great idea like uh, okay let's let's try that and mm-hmm. and uh and yeah we are i believe one of the very few which were invited uh i i, I, I honestly believe that. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, very few are invited. And did you have to change your business in any way? Did you have to sort of conform to fit their mold or they're just like, come along yes, as you are? Yes, come along
2: as you are. I I, I, uh, I haven't spoken to them like uh, like, uh, or they haven't said to us like how they have done the decision on us, particularly in us. But I believe that uh, they just believe that we can do that, you know, like uh, that the, that the ideas are good. And if we've managed to, to get where we, where we, where we were, they believe that we will do something bigger as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, the drone technology just as a whole for the wind of an industry, just is like a no brainer, right? I mean, you know, and obviously the robotics is just an extension of that, but sending people up on ropes is terrifying, right. And it's time consuming and it's expensive. And, uh, so like the drone, I could see anyone and obviously those people who are funding startups and these investors are very forward looking, right. They see a drone fighting a fire, they're like, yep. That makes a lot of sense let's not send people into that burning building like that's the future which so that that makes sense to me for sure and i'm sure alan like you're you know we're, we're both trying to look and and, sh- and highlight new technology here on, on the show and that's just like one of the most obvious ones like send drones up and send ro- robots up don't send human beings up
2: there is one uh like thing which is in all like uh health and safety uh, regulations and requirements that don't work at hate if there is particular alternative, like, uh, you,
0: yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, we, and also like, we, we just enable to do for the technicians to do the job much faster, like, and, uh, and that's it. Uh, and you don't have to hang in the ropes, uh, and, and, and to sometimes <laughs> to perform as easy task as to touch something with something. Uh, so that could be done by the, is now being done by the robot.
1: Yeah. I mean, even little tasks, like cleaning your gutters on your house, 15 feet off the ground, people get killed every year doing that. Right. I mean, like all these things, the applications just seem huge. So yeah, that seems like a a no brainer. So what were some of the big things that you took away from the the Y Combinator program that are still in place and and helping your business today?
2: Particularly, uh, I think it's the mindset of of, uh, how to think in larger scale, how to think on... Basically, you, you meet so many people and you you uh, meet in person with those all of those great founders uh, which have graduated the Y Combinator and they're <laughs> telling their story which are not white and shiny as, you know, like uh, in the end, everybody thinks, uh, mm-hmm. ah, he just got lucky. Uh, and, you know, th- that's why he's a billionaire or millionaire or <laughs> whatsoever. It's not actually true. Uh, most of them yeah. uh, I, I actually... <laughs> didn't hear any of the stories from uh, those guys from uh, which were uh, doing the lectures that <laughs> i didn't hear any easy you know story <laughs> uh, like right. how they built their businesses so and when, when you hear those stories and uh, when you meet them in uh, kind kind of you, you can see them in person and uh, um, for me it it changed the mindset that yeah. it, it's 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 not it's not actually they're not super uh, humans or whatsoever and and, uh, and that's I think most important thing at least uh, at least for me uh, and and I think also for all, all of our company that we are building it from the from moment when we started to work in when we started the Y Combinator and when we ended, uh, we are always thinking just in big scale, like uh, not in a small business scale, and et cetera. and it, it actually helps. It sounds stupid, I, I believe, but it, it, it helps.
0: Well, I, I'm just going to relate to, because Dana, you, you basically said what Steve Jobs said probably 20 plus years ago now, which essentially is this, that when you look at the people who have founded the companies and made fortunes, they're still real people. And they have just been, they've had a skill set and a, and a sort of drive to get them somewhere, but they're not really any different than you or me. It's, it, the fact of the matter is, is that normal people, can do amazing things. And and I think your company is one of those one of those amazing companies that is doing amazing things. And it's 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 leveraging the skill set that you have to and and the minds and the mindset. I think you're right. It's sort of a mindset to ignore all the all the the sort of the bad stuff and focus on the things that are gonna move you forward that is so hard to instill into new corporations and new companies because you should kind of get fixated on some of the minutia instead of focusing on what needs to be done ahead of, ahead of time. And you have done that. And I think hopefully the White Combinator is part of that, but I also think part of maybe just your personality type that, hey, I can let that stuff go. It's hard to do, it's really hard to do. So I, I applaud you for being able to do that because it's really difficult.
2: One 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 more thing is that also, when you go through the Y Combinator, you see that all of those guys have built their companies in hard work. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's it's not an easy pass. And uh, we hear yeah. the good stories about big companies and, and so on. Those are one of uh, I don't know, thousand or million, you know, which succeed but <laughs> right. so many companies which right. does not And uh and that yeah, right. you need to stay focused, you need to 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 work hard to actually build a company, uh, if you want to build uh, a global and big and, and grateful uh, company. And great company. Oh, sure. so, so that's also one of the things that, uh, yeah, uh, to, to understand, uh, it doesn't come easy, but it's possible.
1: Well, let's jump forward to today. So tell us about Aeron's today. What do you guys offer? Where is your technology gone? And what's sort of like your, your, your value proposition to a a wind farm um, site owner operator? We
2: have kind of two things uh, in our technology, like in, in what we offer is one is the delivery system, which is basically, you know, this four winches which are delivering the platform. And the second part are those robotic arms. So right now we have developed, fully developed these winch systems, which are standing on the grounds and and the middle where you change, exchange these arms. So the first service, which is uh, like the most developed and, and basically where we already start to scale in amount of the robots is lightning protection system test. So, uh, but we have trialed out so many other uh, robotic arms, like where we just, we are just continuing to develop more and more arms which are doing particular different kind of, of tasks so the delivery system like these winch systems allows us to move very fast and and uh, be wherever on the on the blade we want in in matter of minutes and touch it scrub it uh, sand it grind it uh, poke it or whatsoever so so that's that's like the, the biggest thing uh we, we, we've kind of developed in, in the last two years where we are confident that it works that it's it's uh, you know already scalable and the lightning protection system test, uh, this robotic arm. And during mm-hmm. this season uh, this is basically the second uh, like first season where we where we went out in the market like uh, you know the services uh, uh, for money uh, and, and we succeeded with these lightning protection system tests. we've done more than 50 projects. Uh, with players like Vestas GE, Siemens Gamesa, uh, NL, VPD, uh, EDF, and et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, But we've trialed out also a lot of other robotic arms like uh, sanding, grinding, uh, painting, uh, filler apply, profiling. Uh, cleaning of the blades and etc where you will see a lot of new arms which which are being developed right now and which are being prepared for the next season in the basically march april so
0: to think wow. of your technology, then it's really a two, two, two separate pieces yes. almost. You have the the, the rope system and the, all the controls that that are involved in that system, and then the robotic the the, the platform. I would call it the platform. Yes. The platform where you can interchange pieces on the platform to do. Uh, like the lightning uh, LPS measurements and then the leading edge erosion repairs and those kind of things that th- those technologies are somewhat, I think you're thinking they were s- somewhat separate because they are interchangeable pieces. And that's, 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 that's a unique thing about your system. I, I think that makes it so adaptable to the problem that a, at a asset owner may have is that it's just not one thing that's trying to do everything. They're interchangeable pieces to f- to address the problem they're having, which is the brilliant part of the way it's set up. It's modular for a reason.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's, that was the goal from the very beginning, and uh, that's the goal what we want to achieve is that uh, uh, we create a platform which is capable of doing uh, like all of the necessary things for the preventive blade maintenance uh, in the future. Yeah.
0: And so you, you've measured... Uh, uh, in, in terms of the lightning protection system, this I'm, I'm going to veer off into lightning here because that's our expertise. But you, you actually do a couple of different aspects for, involved with lightning protection systems. Uh, one, you can actually do the resistance measurements, which are really, really needed in the industry because it gives you a, sort of a health health. Uh, measure on how well the LPS system is doing. The, the the second little piece that you can do is you can determine if there's the, the little spark gaps that may be in the system if those are working correctly. Yes. Uh, with your, your your little voltage breakdown system, which is. Brilliant, by the way. But then you also, you could also, because you are on, on the blade, you can actually do some inspections on the blade, like around the receptor where there may be some heat damage or some burning damage. Or you can look at leading edge erosion because you're right there at that time. You can actually investigate what, what happens on the blade from terms of lightning damage. And then this newest, newest little robot, which I think is just fascinating to me, is a robot that actually goes inside of the blade. You can actually take pictures inside the blade because the lightning lightning damage you see on the outside is usually minor compared to the lightning damage you see inside. Uh, so you have this sort of lightning protection robot suite of, of technologies there that is inclusive of pretty much every aspect of the lightning uh damage or lightning protection world how did you come about doing all that how, do, how did you how did you how did you find that as something to even investigate what what drove that
2: quickly yeah uh as, stick to the problem <laughs> so uh, uh so th- so we know that the lightning uh damages causes uh, like a lot of problems in the blades right so and we understood right. that also like uh, when you start to ask questions to the customers and when you start to ask questions to yourself, why you are building this, uh, what's the value proposition for the customer? Uh, is it enough just to measure that the lighting protection system is working or not? Or if it's mm. not working, then uh, do you want to troubleshoot actually? Would you like to actually troubleshoot to understand why it's not working? Where is the problem? Uh, and when you know, Potentially know where is the problem. Uh, would you like to investigate even deeper, like and understand what's the problem, what's the cause of the problem? So yes. So right. so therefore we started. We understood that. Okay. Uh, there are also like there are a lot of companies which are doing visual inspections, and we have the difference that we can actually touch the things, right? And uh, and right. And, and which you can't do with the with the drones and etc. Uh, and which are brilliant solutions like the drones can do the visual inspections or from the ground or with the drones in, in the air. And then we dive right. deeper when you see the problems like how to investigate also all of our future developments like ultrasound crack inspections, active thermal inspections, mm-hmm. uh, uh, internal inspections in, uh, from inside of the blade, ex- ex- etc is like the next step after the visual inspection like uh and of course uh in visual inspection you can't see if the lightning protection system is or is not working and right. and what also in our past like we have now worked on basically almost all manufactured turbines uh and and uh, like available in the market and we, we already start to get sense of what kind of problems each of the manufacturers have in their in their blades in their turbines, uh, so we can start to develop more things for each of the like customer line or manufacturer line of the turbines, like how to actually navigate if there is lightning protection systems, for example, not working, how to how to understand where is the problem like is it in the root of the blade or is it somewhere in right. uh, where you can access from inside or is it uh, somewhere uh in the tip of the blade where you need to access and repair it from from the basket from outside of the blade right uh, so right. so these are the things on which we are trying to get as if we do the inspection we the next task for the next guys who are coming and repairing that uh, they know particularly what to do where what to do and so on so so we want to be this one-stop shop which is actually not only just saying hey it's not working and it's not our problem oh yeah sh- uh, <laughs> sure yeah uh, so so we want to already give uh, some suggestions and and uh, be experts in the industry where what how why uh, should be done next
0: so you you've now measured roughly how many blades for L, for LPS resistance
2: say a lot more than 1000 uh, blades uh and wow. and more than 5000 receptors uh, for sure uh, wow uh, okay it's like some some of the turbines have some of the blades have only two receptors some of them have 18 receptors per blade that's right uh, and, that's and, right <laughs> and this is also how you can calculate like uh like uh, what's the potential of the problem uh and so on but uh uh, but yes, uh, and and we've learned a lot. Uh, we've learned a lot during this year uh, while developing, also uh, getting the information uh, how the uh, these LPS systems are built in different kind of manufacturers, for, uh, of different kind oh, of manufacturers, oh, sure. and so on.
0: So you you you've now measured a substantial number of blades and lps systems and i saw some data recently uh, from your company that had some rough numbers on the number of blades that have lps resistance issues yes and if you want to explain that because it's a substantial it's a substantial number it's a lot we're
2: actually more than surprised as well because you know like when we started to work in the in the lps measurements most of the companies are also our customers Thoughts that, ah, it's not such a big problem, actually. The LPS is not a big problem. Like, uh, and, yeah. and when you start to measure, then you see that it's actually a big problem. <laughs> and and uh, what we saw, basically, and we still see, is many of the inspections of LPS systems are not done correctly. Because right. um, it's kind of, uh, you know, like... Uh, you, they just give some equipment to some rope technicians that are saying just ah oh, just put one end here and one end here and read the data and just write it somewhere and and that's it, mm-hmm. without understanding actually properly uh, what is he doing there why and etc. So in our case we we as I said we've dived a lot deeper than just resistance measurements. And, um, and 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 uh, what we've seen that it's, it's in, in most of the cases it's a poor job. It's uh, nobody has actually measured uh, the lightning protection systems properly. Uh, the mm. other thing is some in, in some of the cases uh, they haven't tested it, them at all because they think that uh, it's all good <laughs> because ju- they just think that yeah, it's all good. That's right. And, right. and, and when you measure and when you show to them uh, the statistics, it's like, but, but how? <laughs> it, it shouldn't be like this. And, <laughs> right. And, and, and yeah, the, so the statistics are quite, uh, so basically, like I'm just seeing the like latest uh, statistics which we have. It's like uh, 14% of the receptors have open circuit, like one-fourth. Wow. Uh, and and only 1% has, for example, this uh, increased resistance. Like, so the open circuit is actually a big problem. Uh, so it's, it, it means that when the lightning hits those receptors, uh, you will probably have sparks left and right. Uh, either it's because of broken wires inside, either it's because of oxidation in wires, and et cetera. But mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a bigger risk to get also pinholes, uh, broken uh, blades, uh, cracks on the blades. Uh, and et cetera. Right. so, uh, I, I believe that next year we will have even better, uh, better information on this because we will try to combine our data of LPS problems, uh, together with visual inspections. So, uh, we will see the statistics like, uh, if, if the blade, how, uh, had, for example, open circuit on some or on all of the blade or on, or some of the receptors uh mm-hmm. do they have more pinholes or cracks in the blades because of the lightning right and et cetera? right so I, I i i kind of have a sense that we will have uh like our theory will be right that uh uh it will be uh quite
0: uh, there will be a good correlation between yeah. that data between the lightning receptor resistance and the damage to the blade i think those are going to correlate very well yeah they may not be exactly 100 percent, but it's going to be close because what you're saying is essentially if i look at two wind turbines and there's a total of six blades one of those blades has an LPS problem
2: yeah roughly yeah yeah
0: right so if I have a hundred blades or a hundred turbines, there's a lot of blades on that site that have an LPS issue and it tends to be generically broken things internally, which which are really significant because if, if what's happening internally to that blade, if you really have an open circuit, you have a broken connection, there will be a lightning arc inside of your blade, which is really damaging to that blade. So you're right. You're going to see some structural damage to the blade in places that you don't want it that can later on cause more, maybe even a catastrophic failure for that blade because Something as simple as a broken wire can lead to that. And I I think a lot of operators and owners and asset owners look at the LPS system as essentially a, a big copper wire and a couple of little metal connections. How complicated could it be? But... I think you're finding is that it is a lot more complicated than they than we have assumed for a long period of time and, and until we've had that data we've all assumed it's always been fine and so a lot of these lightning issues we're seeing in the field don't make any sense and maybe now they start to correlate to making sense because if you're seeing roughly 15 percent of the lps system have an open circuit that's a significant problem in the industry
2: and it comes with the ages like uh, the older the turbines the bigger the problems are uh, sure and and uh, And yes, exactly as you said, like everyone thinks, uh, like not everyone, but most of the customers thinks that it's just a copper wire inside. And even if the lightning will strike, you know, even if there will be some broken wires or oxidations there, it will jump through and and go to the ground. It's actually not the way how it works in in the life. Because the the lightning uh, strike is such a huge amount of energy, uh, you you can actually, you, you can't like physically people cannot understand the potential (laughs) how much it actually is (laughs) uh yes that's true uh and and uh yes to to actually to maintain that (laughs) it's not that easy
0: (laughs) no it's not it's hard to correlate the the lightning the potential lightning damage because it's so hard to, to 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 see because when everything's working correctly, and I think this is where a lot of asset managers have issues. When it works correctly, you you have a relatively small copper wire that's carrying all this energy and it's, it's clean. It's smooth. You just don't have any issues. But as soon as you break that connection, now you have almost cataclysmic type levels of explosions happening internally to yeah, your blade. Exactly. It's like setting off a, a small, a small set of dynamite inside of this blade and so that it goes from essentially no problem to significant problem immediately. And it's hard to, everything else about a wind turbine is gradual. Bearing wearing out is gradual. Fatigue damage is gradual. Any sort of electrical failure tends to be somewhat gradual. Mechanical failures tend to be gradual. This is going from zero to 100% almost immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where your data is really, really, really important for the industry to get a handle on, is to understand that these type of situations need to get addressed quickly and immediately that you're really putting your your site at risk if you don't look at it
2: and but I think that the industry is growing uh, you know like also the visual inspection companies uh which are, are doing actually a great job they are educating the customers on how big the problems yes. actually are uh how yes. many of the problems they actually have all of the statistics uh in the platforms of, of the cracks and etc show start to show them the risk the realistic numbers of what's actually happening. Uh, and and I, I believe that uh, it's going to open for us as well, like a lot wider market and a and, uh, bigger understanding uh, like understanding the customers. Right.
0: Well, Dana, so you even you it, part of the you said one, roughly one percent of the the measurements you're making are just essentially resistance measurements where the the resistance is high because they probably have some sort of corrosion between the connections and you've tried to address that in in really two separate ways. One, you, you're measuring it, so you have a way to identify it. But if left unattended and a lightning strike does happen, what happens in those joints is there's just a big explosion of sparks and heat and all these bad things start to happen. You have addressed it in a way to correct it on site. And would you like to explain how that system works? Basically
2: what we do, we we just send in, uh, we, again, we create like a full circuit like of, of the system and we send mm-hmm. in thousand volts and uh, like one ampere, we start with one ampere and then we raise. But basically we, in all of the projects, it was between one and three amperes. So what we mm-hmm. actually do, we kind of, the, the the electricity starts to flow through the, point where the oxidation has happened and it starts that that point it's like you no know, it starts to shake <laughs> and uh, right. it removes the oxidation it, it kind of uh, shakes against each other and it removes the oxidation we call it the welding process but it's actually not welding yes. uh it's it's uh, it's,
0: it's sort of a friction process friction
2: process uh, which is removing the, yeah. the oxidation and the right. good connection is restored so, uh, and yeah, so you don't have to open the blade, you don't have to uh, do right. um, thousands of euros uh, expensive repair or dollars expensive repair uh, with uh, right. many days of downtime of the turbine. Uh, it's done in a few hours and, 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 and costs, uh, yeah, a fraction of what you would pay for, for uh, opening the blade and et cetera. So that's oh yeah. Uh, so that's also one of the new things which we have developed, uh, and we yeah we see good results with that.
0: So that's that's sort of why combinator thought processes. Hey, there's a problem. Let's try to address it. Yeah, there's a marketplace. There's, there's a problem. We're gonna try to address it because that also fits into the other product, which is really uh, sort of intuitive, but hasn't been done. Is to look at s- some of the turbines, like Siemens or Gamesa has, in particular these spark gaps that are built into the system uh, to get from the, the the blades to the hub to the hub to the nacelle, and and you, you have really no way to determine how well those are working. For the most part, right? You can take a you have to get somebody physically up there to look at and make sure they're clean and make sure that they're the right distances and all those things. So it takes a, a person a long time to do that. But you've come up with a, a much more intuitive way to measure those gaps. And would you like to explain that?
2: How you how you're doing that? Create basically, we create a artificial spark, uh, like uh, the spark in the electricity line. It will always jump through the shortest, uh, basically gap. And uh, mm-hmm. so we create for. For the spark to jump one millimeter uh, of, of air, you need three kilovolts. So basically, if you want to jump, and in most of these cases, these spark gaps are four uh, centimeters, like it's almost right. like some, something like four, three inch, uh, two and a half inch. So right. these four centimeters, it, it means that you need uh, uh, basically uh, 40 multiplied by three, 120 kilovolts to jump it through. So, uh, right. and, and this is what we can actually uh, like exactly give and see if it jumps through the spar gap or not, or we need a higher voltage uh, to jump ac- uh, through it actually. So this is a right. perfect way how to actually uh, test the spar gaps, uh, sliding disks, or, or brush connections to actually see right. what voltage you need. Uh, is it working by the manual or not? Uh,
0: That's right. Because it could be too low, which indicates you have a sneak electrical path through some piece of the some component you don't want to be involved, or it can be too high, which can tell you the spark gap is not working correctly or the brush isn't working correctly. So it's bounded on either the high side or the low side, and unless you're in that right Mm -hmm. correct band, you you will see damage of some sort on your on your twin turbine if you're not in that in that band.
2: Exactly. And-
0: yeah, so it's 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 very important, I think, to to highlight that. To, that so you are addressing so many different problems, and you have uh, the technology right on site to identify them but also to correct them which a lot of times they don't so just going out and having somebody on a rope do a resistance measurement you know i agree you, the technicians it's a very difficult measurement to make let's just start there so not having maybe the training or the technology to go to make those measurements on a rope is one thing but even if they were to identify that there was an issue they would have the ability to do nothing about it Mm -hmm. right they got to still got to bring a company like yours in to come to do the correction so it makes a lot of sense to use your robot to use your technology to one identify the issue but 2 to correct it on site quickly and i think that's, that's where the the problem-solving aspect comes in is that you just there's just no way to beat that system it's just it's just brilliant on all levels
2: and uh, one more thing is that we have worked that out as you know like uh, a step after step uh process where we can't do anything wrong everything is recorded with uh cameras and etc so, right. so we can't right. do anything wrong, and uh, it's it's it's, uh, and we can't, you know, like just not do that. Uh, we we the process is uh, so smooth and so fast that uh, yeah, we can do much faster. We uh, and and the process has <laughs> worked out that we are definitely doing a a, a proper job.
0: And this is where Dan Dan always comes in and says, "Hey, what's the customer's point of view? What's the customer's thinking of this?" One of the things that I think is interesting in what your technology is that the customer can actually see the video of you doing the measurements and see the video of you doing all the all the things on site. So you have a database now, and maybe you can explain to Dan and and me how that data system works? How do how do how does your customers interface with all that data that you collect? What does that look like?
2: Now, a basically a platform where you can actually see uh, all of the measurements, everything is digitally stored. So every measurement, you can mm. actually see the video, how it was taken, what was uh, what was seen in the display in this mega like love arm resistance uh, meter, and what was seen yeah. on the ca- in the cameras. If uh, we will have any dispute with some customer, like he will ask, no, this measurement shouldn't be right or uh, it can't be truth and etc., He can see the process all, all through uh, in, in the cameras and uh, like digitally stored data. Uh, that's, that's one of the beautiful things. And also like we have high resolution videos, uh, high resolution pictures of all of the receptors where we not only. Uh, that's actually one of the last week's things which we started to develop and uh, where we have already <laughs> trialed out was that you get not, not only the measurement, but also a receptor, a picture of the receptor and with description of what we see in this receptor, as you saw, as you said uh, previously right. about like... If the uh, paint all around uh, has bubbles and et cetera, or it's burned through, uh, even if the res- measurements are right, are right uh, or correct, you can see that some problems uh, still are there. So, so this is one of the things how we, again, we step uh, next uh, step further uh, in our reporting uh, to the customer. And yes, and uh, from the January we will uh, we will uh, publish this uh, our platform where uh, all of the data not, uh, will be sent to the customers not anymore like a report to, to the email, mm-hmm. uh, but basically the customers will be able to come into the uh, portal, and uh, more of that. Wow. Uh, what we offer is like API that if the customer is using some other portal, some other uh inspection platform he doesn't want to use several of them uh it's not a problem (laughs) we we can just give the data uh to your platform you can uh and you can use your preferred platform you you like
0: wow okay that's that's really interesting because that that is one of the issues that's going on there's so many pieces of information so many platforms that they're they're trying to condense them right and that's one of the issues we've seen lately yeah there's so much information
1: yeah and companies just want to be at the end of the day like Everyone's dug in, and everyone understands the system that they have, and they're all trained on it. And they don't want to just jump ship to a new platform every yeah, exactly. six months or a year. It's exhausting. It's also right.
2: our, all that we are the strongest in this in, this engineering of building robots and etc. There's uh, plenty of players in the platform uh, uh, with the, with the good platforms. Uh, where we could just give the data in and as you said yes the customer is already using something to ship from one platform to another it's not actually that easy task as it as it sounds Mm -hmm. and and uh, therefore we are offering this api just just to, to to get the data to any platform you want
0: I want you to explain how you clean the drain holes because I've watched some video, some of your video on YouTube of how the drain holes are cleaned. And I think that that's just the most fascinating thing. Cause it's, it's, it seems relatively simple to do, but it's very complicated. It's, it's difficult to do that.
2: Um, actually, we have another idea how to do that even better. Uh, so right now we're actually, actually like uh, the robot is is uh, grabbing the blade and it has right. like a third hand with which it's cleaning out the drainage hole. Um, right. and uh but we have the idea and we will trial it out uh, in in a few few months is that it will blow in uh, or suck the air so we actually know uh like uh what's uh... how good the drainage hole is actually working like what what sure we are building up um that will be one other uh probable solution for that uh, but otherwise, yes, we are cleaning the drainage mm-hmm. hole under the exact angle. And we are already talking also to OMs about if the drainage hole is clogged, uh, that uh, the robot could just drill another hole, uh, but in the par- particular place right. and in particular angle. And it, you know, like uh, as it, you know, should be uh, made, not, right. not just a hole somewhere. <laughs>
0: Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, because the, the other part of this whole uh, system is we're, Dan and I like to think two, three years down the line. So your technology is very applicable to doing a, a number of repairs, modifications to wind turbines, blades. And you also do things to the towers themselves. And so you can clean the clean the towers off, which I, I, I think is brilliant. Okay. So part of that mixed also now is that you also have the the drone technology which is doing scans like a sky specs can do scans of, of blades very quickly boom 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 in a matter of minutes they can have a wind turbine inspected and they're off to the next wind turbine yeah so in terms of you fit into that eco structure in in the sense that there's 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 inspections being done they're identifying issues and then you can come in and address that issue specifically Quickly, where and on and be relatively on site, relatively quickly, and get that repair made or get the receptors measured or whatever they need to go do. Uh, and so, the whole world is getting faster. It's one of those things we've we've done a lot of technology with people on ropes. And you're right, if you don't have to work at height. Don't mm. uh, and and so have you seen what do you see as that sort of future now because everything is becoming more automated and and, and better uh, there's, there's better data and you're, and the customers have more access to it at their fingertips immediately where does this all sort of get connected and where is it going
2: Yeah, uh, I think the speed will be the the key issue in the service uh, of the wind industry. The turbines are becoming bigger more effective like yeah. uh, now the downtime of the turbine costs more than uh, in some cases in the labor uh, and, and right. the job itself right and and, right. and uh, it's it's if we are calculating only the expense or the ungenerated electricity uh, but if we start to calculate in also all of the uh, logistics like to organize this uh, that you need to stop the turbine uh, it needs to be stopped and etc 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 uh it's actually you have quite you lose quite a lot of money uh the customers mm-hmm. are losing quite a lot of money on that now, so right. I, I believe that yes we we are talking also with sky Specs, for example that while we are doing conductivity uh their drone is doing the visual inspection so how we could combine uh our services like the inspection companies drone inspection companies and our company like how we could work together mm-hmm. so so we could bring together a, a bigger value to to the customer, uh, less stoppings, uh, faster job, right? Uh, and 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 basically everybody happy, uh, safer um, and 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 cheaper. Uh, I think win 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 situation. Uh, and oh, yeah. then you can afford to do that more frequent. Uh, you can do, afford to do right. that more frequent. You 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 can trans. Uh, I think one of the biggest uh, issues in the industry right now is that. Um, all of the industry, like, I, I can't say all, but most of the industry is, is working on correct on corrective maintenance, uh, not end, right. uh, predictive maintenance. So I think that That's the right. biggest uh, shift in the industry will be when uh, the companies, like, will start to switch from corrective maintenance to preventive maintenance. Like, for example, like... When you go, when we go to the customers and we are saying, Hey, we can repair the leading edge. Everybody's saying like, ah, with the robot, ah, you will not be able to repair, uh, the laminate, you know, the, the, do the structural repair. And we are saying this is because you're doing it too, too late. You know, you, you should repair the leading edge when only is a uh, leading edge protection material has been, you know, is is gone because of the erosion or the fillers are right. to erode so let's do the the renewal of the leading edge once in three years in less than five hours and forget about uh, structural repairs uh which lasts for days and that's also like for the most of the customers are oh yeah but we're not used to do that like like that you know like uh, and, and 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 i think that will be also like one uh quite actually big jump uh in the industry uh, which will add some on all of the industry, for example, seven additional percent in because of the blades are clean, the blades leading edge is always intact. Uh, lighting protection is, is, is working, etc, uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's, that's going to, to raise uh, all industry, not by more turbines, but, but just by, by doing a, a better maintenance.
0: I, I I totally agree with you. I think the industry is going to shift dramatically over the next couple of years because of the speeds that are involved and that it opens up doors that we haven't thought of before because it is a big ordeal to shut a turbine down, to get people, train people on it properly, get everybody on and off safely and then get everything started up again. It just takes, it takes a tremendous amount of effort to do that. But in terms of, uh, just the sort of the 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 way the f- the future growth is going. I've noticed that your your robot system is available on different continents. There's there's are you partnering with different companies like in Brazil and uh, the United States to 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 bring your technology across the the whole span of the world? Yeah,
2: exactly what we do. We basically search for a local partner who wants to work with us. And, uh, so we work, uh, basically, yeah, we, we are opening partnerships, uh, in lots of different countries. And, uh, basically we deliver the robot with uh, one technician who is teaching the local technician technicians to work with the robot. Uh, that's, okay. that's the idea of all of the systems where we want it to be that it's as simple to, that we can teach you guys like in, in a week or two to actually operate it. Uh, so, so there. That's the point where it should be, and and we are closing up on that. Uh, honestly,
0: well, Dan, that sounds like something that's up your line of. <laughs> you, you, we could train you how to work a robot, on top of everything else mm-hmm. you're doing. So it sounds like it's it's it is a technical job. I mean, it's probably a pretty well paying paying job to do that, because uh, it takes a certain skill set to do that. And I know we've we've seen and gotten a lot of inquiries. I know sort of SkySpecs has gotten the same sort of inquiries about. They wanna have that technology on offshore on each platform. Is that is that where the future is that you're gonna have a robot system on each of these platforms, on each of these turbines because they're 12 megawatt or 14 megawatt or 20 megawatt at some point uh, that it just makes sense to have that on site
2: that's, that's that's for sure because uh already our robot is actually this remote control and uh, where the technician is controlling the robot it's already built that we could actually control it from uh, office uh, of course wow. you need to go through the stages of development to be to actually to start to do that uh remotely not not on site uh but but we are, yeah. Uh, all of our development goes for that. We could actually leave the robot there and uh, just connect to the robot when there is no wind, for example, <laughs> and and, and right. basically uh, and, and do the job when it's best for the customer, not when uh, when we are there, <laughs> and and uh, you, yeah. you need to stop the turbine. So so that's uh, and for offshore that's for sure. Uh, the cost of delivering the robot uh, to mount the robot on then take it off and etc cetera, etc cetera, is just too expensive like uh, eventually the cost of the robot will be less than delivering it there and and, right. and exchanging maybe it, it once in a month uh, for example like like just to bring from one turbine to another uh, so yes uh, I think it's inevitable that uh, these kind of robots will do the job uh, uh, like like completely remotely and and uh, and, and a lot of things like also like, for example, for our robot, we're already working on that the robot is actually doing it itself, the job itself. Uh, it knows how to, to, to track and understand where the receptor is. Uh, it understands with what sure. speed it needs to move, how to navigate there, how to do the measurement and cetera. that. Actually, uh, you don't need uh, anyone to to, to to control the joysticks, uh, basically the remote. Uh, so that's, that's the next step as well
0: wow okay that's fascinating there's so much technology and we haven't even touched upon the the one issue that dan has written some articles about and we're talking about internally which is the blade cleaning that in, in terms of lightning protection we've seen uh pictures from all across the world of really really dirty blades and that definitely affects a lightning protection system it just doesn't it just defeats a point of a lightning protection system because the whole blade is conductive on some level uh, can you t- explain how your system actually cleans the blades in
2: cleanings in costa rica uh, oh wow where the, the blades were actually dirty <laughs> like uh, not, not europe's dirty uh, or united states dirty. It's, <laughs> it's it's like uh, we understood what, what dirty means uh, can be done like for the humans it's like nine days to clean one uh one Whoa. turbine Yikes. uh and for <laughs> the robot we 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 did in three days like uh, one blade per day but you will understand it's a game changer also like aer- aerodynamics uh the dirt maybe is not affecting like 10 or 15 percent of aerodynamics of the of the turbine uh but it's uh, definitely affecting. <laughs> There are so many wind tunnel uh, experiments where, in the in the universities, where they have seen that uh, even a slight mm, uh, dirtiness or erosion is affecting the airflow uh, uh, around the blade. But of course, it's it's uh, it's hard to convince on the uh, the customers because uh, you can't see the SCADA data about uh, how much of electricity has been made in what kind of wind speed is not 100% accurate uh, because right. the area where the turbine is receiving the wind is a lot larger than uh, where you have this one meter, which is uh, this measurement tool, which is measuring what's average wind speed in, in, in on that turbine. So so it's, it's not completely accurate. And uh, so you can't measure that exactly. How much you are losing because of the dirt uh or, or erosion of the blades wow, wow. <laughs> uh, this is dirtiness uh, <laughs> uh, yes and and uh yeah basically to scrub that by by hand uh on i don't remember if this was like 50 meter or 60 meter long blade but basically to scrub that by hand it's it's just like um uh, yeah it's a lot you need a lot of time
0: <laughs> do you do you know what that's from is that from i know some some places of the world they like to burn off the fields before they replant and that's one of the there's a lot of smoke in the air yeah, so and this sort is sort volcano. of pollution in the air
2: <laughs> this is volcano was oh, volcano yeah volcano and uh, basically basically the <laughs> algae uh, which is you know like uh, the debris is, is is sitting down on the yeah. plate and the algae starts to 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 live there
0: to grow yeah
2: and uh, so you need to clean them uh, once in a year of course this is wow. a, this is the worst case scenario of course uh kind of uh, yeah but but uh, we, we've cleaned yeah. like for example european blades uh if we are cleaning european blades in europe it's like uh one turbine a day uh like three blades per day where again for mm-hmm. rope technicians it's sure um uh, three to six days to to clean them and this is why the industry oh, sure. is not doing that because uh, because it's just it's, yeah it costs a lot of money it, it's it's a lot of downtime yeah. it's a lot of uh, days to to work on and this is yeah. why it's not done
1: yeah and then they just say oh it's it's probably not that exactly. big a deal nine days of downtime it's probably <laughs> yeah, not a big exactly deal, but <laughs> exactly well I know and Alan you had a, a talk with I think it was Nicholas Quadern from PowerCurve who said that. There was a blade that had just caked on dirt to the leading edge that caused actually to stall. Like the the stall speed was pretty. It was there was a very a, a, a very a very small window in the manufacture of this one blade. And the caked-on dirt caused it to hit its stall point, and it just stopped yeah. operating. Yeah, it just won't so. run. Right. Also,
2: uh, icing is happening more uh, if there is, you know, for the humidity, where to, to 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 grow, like where to stay for the humidity, and and therefore the icing is happening right. a lot more if the, uh, if the blades are dirty. Uh,
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and
2: and so on. So yes, so now we are working on the improvements <laughs> of also this system where we could uh, clean in one a day, one blade in Costa Rica, like that, dirtiness blades, uh, and, mm-hmm. and next year, the, the process will be already like, uh, at least two times faster. So one turbine, one and a half days, and uh, and for Europe, in one, definitely in one day. Uh, fast, safe process uh, of cleaning of the of the blades.
0: There's there's your Y Combinator aspect. See the problem, fix the problem, yeah. get to the problem. Right. And, yeah. and as you as you get further and further away from from home, you're going to see just a wider variety of issues that need to be addressed. So it, it it's going to the next couple of, of years are going to be very interesting for you, for sure. Like those 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 problems are going to get very complicated.
2: Yeah, exactly and and uh, yeah and, and the educational process of the customers uh that it's actually necessary that it's uh, it's actually you know uh, like hey we are not doing that <laughs> why should we do now uh <laughs> you know and and, and and then you need to convince and find the uh find the arguments why they should do that actually
0: yeah i bet the technology changes so fast six months ago this didn't exist and now it does and it just uh, human nature is to Process, especially engineers. Engineers process things very slowly because they want to be safe. So it takes a while for adaptation. But I think in your particular case, because you're addressing other issues, safety issues, speed issues, downtime issues, that it, it makes the engineering part of it a little bit easier to swallow, which is, hey, they can just do it faster. And they're doing it just as well, and maybe providing me more data than I would have otherwise. So there's there's more pluses and there are minuses. So the adaptation speed for your particular projects are actually going to go faster than they would for some others, I think. It's it's a technology thing. And uh, it's, 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 I'm going to keep saying this word. It's brilliant. Every time I watch a video of yours, Thank you. Uh, on YouTube, like, wow, that is, that is amazing. It's, that's just amazing. So, you know, our our hats off to your technology and your company. It's just, it's just amazing to watch.
1: Thank. So as we start to wrap up here, uh, you know, how can other companies follow up with you? Where are you guys going in the near future? Do you have any new advances that you're really excited about that you're maybe going to be dripping out or, uh, Mm. You know maybe we can look forward to in the next year yeah
2: definitely i, I think uh, one of the killers will be the leading edge repair that's that's one of the mm-hmm. things which uh, we will start to trial out next year uh, we've done already the first trials like only with sanding and grinding with our robot uh the process of uh, average uh nine days repair of of the leading edge and pinholes and etc for the rope technicians was accelerated by two to three days uh, on per turbine, like just sanding and grinding of the surface of the leading edge, Uh, because Mm. we just do that in like 10 minutes per per blade uh, with the robot, rather than one day for the rope technician with hand. Uh, Sure. 3M tape removal. uh, Again, big issue in industry that you need to remove the 3M tape and you just lose days to remove that by hand. It's tough. Yeah. Yes. And now it's Mm -hmm. going to be possible in a few hours. Uh, And, and, uh, and yes, and uh, those things which we are developing on NDT tests, like uh, what we see the problem that yes, there's a crack, but what's actually happening? Like, uh, is it just what you see from outside? Is it larger actually or not? Uh, All the wrinkle uh, issue on the blades uh, also needs to be addressed. So yes, stay tuned. We will have a lot of new things next year, and also in the middle of next year, we 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 will trial out uh, our technology not in onshore but in offshore. Like we are bringing our technology to the to the offshore. So that's also will wow. uh, that's also will, is going to be I think a, a a huge jump in the in the in our uh, technology and for the all wind industry, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean o- offshore is such a tough problem to solve. Like you don't want to be sending people out to these inhospitable ocean environments and you certainly don't want them up at height, you know, with waves and it's just, it's crazy. It's right. such a, ter- a terrifying experience. I'm sure to be a technician out there hats off to them. But yeah, I'm sure, like you said, that's a, just a huge growth market yeah. for you. Just trying to simplify that exactly. process. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is a really fascinating conversation. I'm sure we could have gone on for another hour <laughs> <Yes>. uh, and <laughs> may have to have you back on in another year to see Easy. what's changed. But we really appreciate your time. It's uh, exciting stuff that you guys are doing over at around Yeah, guys,
2: for having me on the show. And I, I, I can't wait to, to see it uh, live. <laughs>
1: All right, well, we're going to wrap up today's episode of Uptime. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you're a regular here, thank you for your continued support. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to check out the WeatherGuard Lightning Tech YouTube channel for video episodes, full interviews, and short clips from each show. For Alan and all of us at WeatherGuard, stay safe and we'll see you next week. Is downtime causing you financial pain and putting a stop to your power production for months on end? It's no secret, lightning strike damage is a major cause of wind turbine downtime. This damage is preventable with our easy-to-install strike tape lightning protection system for wind turbine blades. Our incredible engineering, build quality, materials, and edge sealants withstand up to five times more abuse in the toughest weather and lightning conditions. And we've got the research to prove it. If you're tired of constant downtime, we can help reach out to us at weatherguardwind.com and schedule a free call. We'll get your uptime back in no time.